Good afternoon and welcome to the Pastor Study. We are continuing to look at Michael Byrd's Evangelical Theology. Um, we've gotten into the place where we're really diving into theology proper now. We are looking at specifically doctrine of God and the Trinity. We started looking at that a couple of weeks ago. Last week, um, I was ill from having gotten my second COVID shot and wasn't really up to doing a live stream. Yep. Um, so we took a week off. Uh, we did share with you a video uh, that really talked about the Trinity. And we're going to look at that video again today because I think it does a really good job of talking about some of the problems that we come into when trying to understand and talk about the Trinity. Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, it, it gives a great overview and it does it in a fun and uh, kind of funny way. So Absolutely. And so we kind of looked at some basic terms um, last time. And so now we're kind of getting into the nitty gritty of looking at this. And the thing about understanding the Trinity is understanding that this is one of those doctrines that has been there from the beginning, but the way that we have understood it and articulated it has kind of changed from era to era in the church and kind of built on itself. Yeah, uh, a lot of it's come from new understandings, um, better resources, better historical context, uh, and so it's changed and it's evolved over the years uh, to kind of what we have now, which is still nowhere close to a finished product but it's a it, right it's definitely we, we've at least learned what the trinity is not uh, exactly so, so far and we're, we're still working on uh, what it is and so there's all kinds of places that we can go um there's a good definition of the trinity that he brings in here um that comes from the first article of the 39 articles of the anglican church there is but one living and true god everlasting without body parts or passions of infinite power, wisdom, and goodness, the maker and preserver of all things, both visible and invisible. And in unity of this Godhead, there be three persons of one substance, power and eternity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. I think that's a pretty good summary there, a pretty good definition. Yeah, and well, and that's the thing, too, is as we, as we go through and we look at all the different the creeds and the different denominations and how they've kind of worded it, they all have pretty good ideas of, of what they what they know. Um, but there's, uh, as we kind of will see from the video, there's all these different kind of, um, when, when it comes to actually explaining it and it comes to actually, you know, giving an example, uh, it, it gets much more difficult. Right. And I think what's one of the things that's, you know, I like this definition, mm -hmm. but I mean, it kind of gets you bogged down in some more difficult language mm -hmm. and trying to understand all of that. You know, it talks about how God shares all three persons of the Trinity share one substance, power, and eternity. Yeah. And I think that is, you know, a really strong way to say it. And we're not going to read all of the Athanasian Creed, mm -hmm. but, you know, here's where you get to begin to get like a long, drawn-out definition of it. And I would, you know, advise anybody, take a time to, to read some of these early church fathers and how they're understanding this. And... But I do like what the very beginning of this says, that we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither mixing the persons nor dividing their essence. For there is one person who is Father, another person who is the Son, and another person who is the Holy Spirit. But the divinity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all one, all equal in their glory, all co-eternal in their majesty. 
I think that's you know that sums it up really well. And then he goes on to you know just explain break it and break section. it down and and open up more things. But I think we can look at it as some very simple propositions. And Dr. Bird does that um, in the book. The Father is God. The Son is God. The Holy Spirit is God. Then understanding that the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not the Father, and there is only one God. You know, kind of bringing down this into that like syllogism type kind of statement there where we can begin to think and understand these things by understanding that all three persons are God. None of those three persons are one and the same with the other and that there is only one God. And I think that's really probably the simplest way to articulate the Trinity in just easy to understand language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think too though, I mean... it and again i think this comes down to just like once you start trying to explain it that's when you start to get confusing because when you say okay sure they're all they're all god and they're all individual but then they're not one another that's when you start to kind of get um almost like a, a lapse because well aren't they supposed to be like one in the same right as well as different uh, so how can you say that they're like that Jesus is not also God and God is not also Jesus and, and you know Well and I think that's I mean and I think that's the hard part is understanding that yes, the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, the Spirit is not the Father, you know, all of these things. That's where we kind of bog down is that there is one God, but there are three persons, and we really don't have any way to explain that well in any kind of other picture in the world, which yeah. is where that Lutheran satire video comes in. Yeah. I mean, these guys do an excellent job of bringing out those analogies that we would try to use and showing us how they all lead to really heretical ideas. So let's let's jump to there now and let's watch this video together. Okay, Patrick, tell us a bit more about this Trinity thing. Yeah, Patrick, tell us. But remember that we're simple people without your fancy education and books and learning, and we're hearing about all of this for the first time, so try to keep it simple. Okay, Patrick? Yeah, real simple, Patrick. Sure, there are uh, three persons of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, yet there is only one God. Don't get what you're saying here, Patrick. Not picking up what you're laying down here, Patrick. Could you use an analogy, Patrick? Sure. Uh, the Trinity is like uh, water and how you can find water in three different forms. Liquid and ice and vapor. That's modalism, Patrick! What? Modalism, an ancient heresy confessed by teachers such as Noetus and Sibelius, which espouses that God is not three distinct persons, but that he merely reveals himself in three different forms. This heresy was clearly condemned in Canon 1 at the First Council of Constantinople in 381 AD, and those who confess it cannot rightly be considered a part of the Church Catholic. Come on, Patrick! Yeah, get it together, Patrick! Uh, okay, uh, then the Trinity is like uh, the sun in the sky, where you have the star and the light and the heat. Oh, Patrick. Come on, Patrick. That's Arianism, Patrick. 
Arianism? Yes, Arianism, Patrick. A theology which states that Christ and the Holy Spirit are creations of the Father and not one in nature with him. Exactly like how heat and light are not the star itself, but are merely creations of the star. That's a bad analogy, Patrick. You're the worst, Patrick. All right, sorry. The Trinity is like... Uh, this three-leaf clover here. I'm gonna stop you right there, Patrick. Yeah, hold your horses, Patrick. You're about to confess partialism. Partialism? Yes, partialism. A heresy which asserts that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are not distinct persons of the Godhead, but are different parts of God, each composing one-third of the divine. And who confesses the heresy of partialism? The first season of the cartoon program Voltron, where five robot lion cars merge together to form one giant robot samurai, Obviously. I've never heard of Voltron. Of course you haven't. It's not going to exist for another 1,500 years now, Patrick. Yeah, get with the program, Patrick. I mean, really, Patrick. I'm going to stab you in the face, Patrick. Okay, that was probably a bit much. All right, I'll try again. Uh, the Trinity is like how the same man can be a husband and a father and an employer. Modalism again. All right, then it's like the three layers of an apple. Partialism revisited. Fine. The Trinity is a mystery which cannot be comprehended by human reason, but is understood only through faith and is best confessed in the words of the Athanasian Creed, which states that we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither confusing the persons nor dividing the substance, that we are compelled by the Christian truth to confess that each distinct person is God and Lord, and that the deity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is one, equal in glory, co-equal in majesty. Well, why didn't you just say that, Patrick? Yeah, quit beating around the bush, Patrick. Now let's all put on some giant green foam hats, get riotously drunk, and vomit in the Chicago River to celebrate our conversion. Yeah, that's one of my favorite videos. I, I just, I've watched it, you know, probably... I think it's 10 years old now, something like that. And, and I've probably watched it at least once a year. At least. <laughs> yeah, because it's just great. But, you know, I think they do a really good job of showing us that all of these things, because I know that I had heard, you know, some kind of form of partialism and modalism as a kid growing up as somebody was trying to oh, explain yeah. the Trinity yeah. to me. Uh, I think um, I've heard the, the what is it the, the states of water you know, right uh, ice and um, ice is you know the solid and water is the liquid and then there's the gas and that's basically the same thing and, and they're like yeah no that's, that's not it right um, another one I've always heard was the uh, like an egg yeah you know, the, the shell the yolk and the right the, or an apple the yeah, skin yeah. and the core yeah. and yeah, and I mean, none of these things really work. And I think probably my favorite thing about that video is that, you know, Patrick's trying to find some way to talk to these guys about the Trinity. And then he gets fed up with them. And so he just lays out the creed to them. And they're like, why didn't you just say so? Yeah, you should have just started with that. <laughs> and I think that's so true in as we go through things like this that just saying it in a way that is understandable even if we don't have another picture for it is really the best way to go we just say god is one and there are three persons in god father son holy spirit neither one of them are the other one and you know that pulls us away from that idea of modalism where we're thinking well it's like you know i'm a son a father and a pastor no those are just three different yeah. things that i am but yeah. it's not the same thing that's just one about person, God, one being, person being those three yeah. things 
and you've seen all of these different aspects, but I think that one does a really good job of walking through some of the historical heresies and misconceptions and the way that we try to do good theology and we don't even realize necessarily that we're falling into some of these mm-hmm. same problems that people have been falling into since Jesus was here. So what do you think some of the uh, the dangers of falling into some of these things are? Like what, I mean, obviously we know that some of these are uh, you know, heretical and such like that, but then, you know, the other thing too is like we grew up hearing these are how people right. described uh, the Trinity, and I mean, we turned out okay. Um, right. So, you know, like, it, what, where, where's the danger? What do you think uh, the the benefit would be to, to coming up with something better? I don't, I think, I don't know that there's a huge danger in it. Mm-hmm. I think it's just that we want to understand it the best way that we can, and those analogies break down our understanding of it when we can just plainly say, this is the way it is. There, it's a mystery. There's no other picture of that. And I think if there is any danger, it's just taking away that understanding of there are some things that are just mysteries that we cannot completely understand. And we just have to have faith to understand that it is true because that's the way that the Bible presents God. Even if we never see the word trinity in scripture and we don't i mean we've talked about that already and that word is not going to come up we do understand that the bible is pretty emphatic about its understanding of who god is especially that there is one god i mean there is no way to get around that understanding in scripture that there is one god but then you have those places where we see all three persons of god working at the same moment. We have Jesus' baptism where here we have the Son being baptized and we have the Father speaking on his behalf and we have the Holy Spirit as the dove coming down. We see all three persons working in the same instant in those different ways and we see that over and over again throughout the Scripture. And so how do we understand that? That's where we come up with the understanding of the Trinity is all of these places where we see um, a Trinitarian God at work. So how, I mean, what do you think? I mean, do you think there's any danger in some of these bad analogies? Well, and I, I was kind of trying to think through that a little bit and in the sense that, like, Usually when you hear the word heresy or heretic, you, you, there's an immediately bad connotation to it. And it's, right. um, you know, that this person is evil and that they're trying to spew uh, really bad things. But I really think that a lot of the, you know, the pastors and youth pastors and such that I had grown up, that they, they had the best intentions of trying to explain. Oh, absolutely. I think so. Uh, trying to explain something that really is, in essence, inexplainable. Right. Um, and I think, you know, uh, as I do ministry and as I talk with people, I would much rather... Um, somebody tell me, I just don't know. Um, or, right. Or, or, and, and be okay with not knowing. Exactly. Um, and that's hard, I think, for some people. I think it's hard for a lot of us. And I think the main thing with it is, you know, are these the, the worst heresies that somebody could? Oh, absolutely not. No, sure. And it's more so that I think that nowadays, I think you're right, people are just trying to find the best way to explain it. And they may not even realize, like, you know, Patrick in the video doesn't really realize oh, yeah. that, He's pulling back towards these ancient heresies mm-hmm. that were a big, huge problem at the time because they would deny the, uh, the divinity of Christ mm-hmm. or deny the divinity of the Spirit. 
or try to say that they're all one, like, you know, somebody in a you know, oneness Pentecostal place mm-hmm. would understand that, you know, the father was the one that hung on the cross. And we know that that's not true. And so it's, we want to find these ways to be able to talk about these things. But I think ultimately it comes down to saying we cannot a hundred percent explain this in a logical format, but we can speak to the reality in a logical format, which brings me back to that. The father is God. The son is God. The Holy spirit is God. None of them are each other. And there is one God. And I think that's almost like just that basic talking about it is kind of the best way to go about it as we look and see because those are things that we can very easily point to in scripture where we can go and find places where the son is called God where we can find that we can find the father called God we can find the Holy Spirit called God we can point to places where it is very clear that they're not the same and then we can point to the places where there is one God and then that's where we form that idea of trinity but i don't think we have to go any further than that i don't have to be able to explain what it looks like in nature because it looks like nothing in nature and i think that's the problem that we fall into is especially when we're coming from that very modernistic context we want to be able to scientifically break down and explain everything and if there is you know one good thing about postmodernism, i think it gets us to a place where we don't feel like we have to do that with Mm. everything that that knowledge that comes from faith, that knowledge that comes from belief and emotions is just as real as that scientific knowledge. Uh, so kind of just a, a follow-up to all of this. Do you yeah. think it's, it would be safe to say then, um, and, and I'm taking this from uh, one of my favorite Christian movies, The Shack. Yeah. Um, and and in, in The Shack, if you're not familiar with, uh, with it, there is the three persons of God are broken up, each represented by a different like person. Person, in the, in right. The, um, but each with distinct roles, and then, at, if I remember correctly, in the end, they're all shown as being one. Um, do you think that is still like a form of modalism, or, or, or do you think that maybe they're getting closer to uh, that idea of three each having their own distinct roles and purposes, but all being one and, and the same? I think it's, I think it, you know... The problem in that, there, I mean, there's there's definitely some issues with the way it's portrayed. I've never seen the movie, but I, oh, okay. I've read the book. Um, and But I think it's somebody who, again, is trying to explain it and get close to it. And if you look at it as a work of fiction that's trying to explain this, I think it's a... I think it's better than trying to look at it as a work of theology, if that makes exactly, sense. Exactly, yeah. You know, it's, you know, yeah. You know, you look at it and go, okay, this is this one person, kind of like you have, you know, with Patrick with the shamrock. This is one person trying to come in and make sense of this in their own mind, and they've written this work of fiction to try to work through their understanding of it. You know, it is, and there's a lot of works out there that yeah. are like that. It's, I read The Last Temptation of Christ mm-hmm. in college, and I would never recommend that to anybody as a theological text, but it is one person who was a Greek, Greek Orthodox believer trying to work his way in understanding the person of Christ in their humanity and i think that was i mean and it's an interesting work in that way 
Um, are there problems with the theology in that work? Absolutely. Sure. But if you understand it as a work of fiction and one person kind of wrestling with their understanding of who Jesus is, then good. Kind of the same way with the shack. If you understand it as a work of fiction and one person trying to go work through their trauma and work through their understanding of who God is and bringing that Trinitarian perspective in, I think it's, you know, I think that's the best way to look at it. It wouldn't be a book that I would go to and say, hey, understand the theology sure, of the Trinity. Yeah. But one person working through it, I think it's an excellent picture of it. Yeah. You know, it is, you know, and I think what's interesting as you go through it is that's really what we're seeing, even as you're reading through the book, mm-hmm. and even as you're reading through the theology book and understanding, now these are people who are trying to, to write serious theology, but you're working through and seeing how people have dealt with the Trinity and their understanding of it in different times and you know it talks about how justin martyr tried to kind of make an order of the people and as you get towards the end of this section you know there is some talk about some of the current issues that we have in trinitarian theology is you know the internal subordination of the son is that you know has the son always been subordinate to the father always will be or was that something that jesus took on for that particular amount of time that he was here on earth and you know people are you know great theologians are arguing this question right now i mean it's one of these things that's been a big deal and it's because you know those it's those kinds of questions that beg further questions right well if if jesus was subordinate to god then or to the father then how can one be subordinate to yourself like you know you right again when you start to think about it logically it's just it doesn't it doesn't work um and that's because i think for one we just have nothing to compare it to and i think that's the picture is that we really have nothing to compare it to and i mean and i'll just say you know i'm not one who agrees with eternal subordination it doesn't fit in just the way that i've read and the way that i've looked at things i don't think it's it's one of those things that i don't think is necessarily unorthodox i understand where people read it i understand i've read a good bit about it but it's not one of those things that i've come down and say you know that i would believe that and we see this picture of working through these different issues of the trinity and we see i mean we've been doing it all the way back to the church fathers i mean that's so much about what those early early councils were about was how do we understand God? How do we understand Jesus? How do we understand the Spirit and how they all work together and how they come and work? I mean, there's, you know, we look at it as an understanding of how the Trinity works Mm -hmm. that split the Roman Church and the Greek Church. When you had that East-West Church split, it was over one word, and it was over, you know, how do we understand how the Spirit comes. Does He come from the Father or does He come from the Father and the Son? And we look in the Greek Orthodox, those that became the Greek Orthodox are like, no, He comes from the Father. And then the other side that became the Roman Catholic Church is like, no, He comes from the Father and the Son. And they argued over it enough that they said, we can't come to an agreement on this, so we're going to break rank. And so this is stuff that has met over and over again. i tell you one of my favorite parts of this whole chapter. And I think people that are listening to this and are watching this are going to be sad that we're not going to try to um, read this out. But on page 149 is the Christological Rap Battle Royale where we have the pro-Aryan 
side of things with Bishop Eusebius of Nicodemia and the anti-Arian side of things with Bishop Alexandria of Alexandria. And so um, going back and forth in this rap battle, like a kind of like Hamilton cabinet meetings, which I think is just fantastic as we look and see, you know, Proarius, anti-Arius, and looking and seeing how all of this stuff comes. I mean, Arius had been excommunicated because of his understanding of the Trinity, but there were still those who wanted to fight against it. And so, you know, Arius said, you know, the sun was a created being. There was a time when the sun was not. And that was one of the things that they were battling for. And we still see that her that Arian heresy today in Jehovah's Witnesses and in the um, Mormon Church. And so with, this is nothing, you know, these are things that were going on from the very beginning and they're still going on now. And I think as we think about like how we understand just these basic, basic doctrines, I think we can look to these ancient creeds, whether it's the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed, which we're going to read in a second, as an understanding and a really simple way to go, what does it basically mean to be a Christian? What does it basically mean to be a follower of Christ? Well, these are the basic things we believe. It's why we've been doing you know, one of those songs where we recite the creed before we do the Lord's Supper because we want to just state this is what we believe. And I think the Nicene Creed does a great job of this, especially when it comes to the Trinity because that's specifically what they were dealing with here is, a, is the Trinity and especially who the Son is in that. So you know, let's just read. I'm gonna. Let, I've been talking too much. You read this. Okay, sure. Yeah, I'll read it. Uh, the Creed of Nicaea, 325 A.D. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, Maker of all things, visible and invisible, and we believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, begotten of the Father, the only begotten. That is from the substance of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, sharing one substance with the Father through whom all things came into being, things in heaven and things on earth, who for us humans and for our salvation he came down and became incarnate and became human and suffered and rose again on the third day and ascended to the heavens and will come again to judge the living and the dead. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, but as for those who claim that there was a time when he was not, or before being born he was not, or that he came into existence out of nothing, or who claimed that the Son of God is of a different hypostasis or substance, or he was created, or is subject to alteration or change, such persons, the Holy Catholic and Apol no, Apostolic. Apostolic Church declares condemned. Yeah, so I mean, they just kind of lay it out there. They're like, yep. look, here's just basic understanding of who God is. Yep. And if you deviate from that by saying that there was a time when the Spirit or the Son wasn't there, then you're just not a part of the church. You're just, you're just wrong. Get out. Like, And so, you know, that's just the way to, you know, I mean, they kind of lay it out really, really clear there, but it is a very simple, you know, understanding of the Trinity and how we can understand that. So, 
you know, as I said, you know, there is continual talk throughout um, the rest of this chapter that dives into some of the um, more recent questions and going in. But I mean, it it gets into where, you know, you come to a point where it's like, okay, this is just getting too mired down in just the minutia. And so I think we just need a very basic understanding. And so I really like on page 155 where he has what he puts out as the essential doctrines mm-hmm. of the Trinity. And he uses an acrostic of triune to do that. So he says, there is only one God in three persons. God is one being, one indivisible unity, eternal and immaterial. Yet this God subsists as three persons who are Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Relations of origins are paramount. The divine persons are differentiated by relations of origin. That is, the Father is unbegotten, the Son is begotten, and the Holy Spirit proceeding. Inseparable operations. The divine persons have distinct operations or works appropriate to who they are. That is, the Father is the creator, the Son is the redeemer, the Spirit is renewer. But even then, their operations are inseparable. Namely, the Father involves the Son and the Spirit in what he does. The Son is the Son of the Father and the bearer and dispenser of the Spirit. The Spirit is sent by the Father through the Son. United in being, the three divine persons possess the same deity and power and share the same substance, being, and nature. No subordination of being or rank, no multiplication of deities, no confusion of persons. God subsists as three equal persons, not three gods, not one god with three different faces, not one supreme deity with an angelic deputy and an ethereal delegate. Every Christian should be Trinitarian, not Unitarian, nor Jesus monistic, nor nuministic. So you're looking, I mean, I think that just... I mean, that, that pretty much wraps up everything that we know today about the Trinity. Absolutely. And then there's really, as you look at it, yeah, it's a lot. But it's simply stated. And we can look at it and go, okay, now I, now I kind of get it. And I don't need those analogies. I don't need those, you know, physical things that I can touch or that I can see to understand it. You know, I just understand who God is. And I start to look at him and understand him better with just these simple statements of who he is. And I think we want to look and go, well, how does that, you know, if the whole point of this is getting to know God better and understanding him better and therefore being able to live out his will better, how does this idea of the Trinity kind of fit into how we live as Christians? And I think... There's a there's this great prayer in here um, from John Stott that I think really speaks to how we do that, and that is that we understand how the different persons of God are working in our life. And here, I like that he's praying to all three. Good morning, Heavenly Father. Good morning, Lord Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, I worship you as creator and sustainer of the universe. Lord Jesus, I worship you, Savior and Lord of the world. Holy Spirit, I worship you, sanctifier of the people of God. Glory to Father and the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, I pray that I may live this day in your presence and please you more and more. Lord Jesus, I pray this day I take up my cross and follow you. Holy Spirit, I pray this day that you will fill me with yourself and cause your fruit to ripen in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
Holy, blessed, and glorious Trinity, three persons in one God, have mercy upon me. Amen. I love that because he talks about how each of the persons of the works in us. And so I think bringing out a prayer like that into our daily devotional, um, beginning to understand how each of the persons is working in our lives, allows us to, to see why an understanding of the Trinity is important. Yeah, I think uh, maybe more more important than anything, it's just this idea that um, the Trinity and, and God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus, they're all working in our lives to make us more, um, to make us better, to make us uh, better Christians, to make us uh, stronger and, and to further the message uh, more. And I think maybe that's that's the big priority is knowing uh, what the Trinity is, is is helping us to do and yeah. why we're worshiping it in the first place. Absolutely, absolutely. So we've been talking about the Trinity these last couple of weeks, and we're going to continue on Doctrine of God next week, looking at the next chapter, 2.3, What is God Like?, where we're going to begin to really kind of dive into some of God's attributes. And so I'm excited to do that. I hope you'll join with us next week. And Ben, will you close us in prayer as we go? Absolutely. Thank you. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for, for being who you are and, and in its complexity and, and, and sometimes confusingness, helping us to have faith uh, to love you better. I pray that you uh, give us strength uh, this week. Help us uh, to, to grow in you and uh, to grow in your spirit and in your son and, and in all parts of who you are. Just help us to be more like you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen.